Hi, this is Richard Garfield with The Game Glimpse, where I drone on and on about a game that's on my mind. I'll tell you what interests me in the game, and perhaps tie that into games in general. Maybe I'll tell a story from my experiences. But for now, let the droning begin. Hi, I'm back from a long hiatus. It's been over a year since I've done a Game Glimpse. I hope to do them with a little more regularity now. The game I'm going to talk about today is Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards Duel at Mount Skullfire, otherwise known as E-S-W-O-T-B-W-D-A-M-S. The game is by Cryptozoic Entertainment. It looks stunning. It's got a great look, which I'll get into a little bit later. Cryptozoic uh, does a number of games in comics, uh, including the World of Warcraft trading card game. Uh, the game design is by Rob Heinzu, who's a friend of mine. Uh, the general tone of the game is it's a party game where probably it says that it can handle two to six, but I think probably it's more reasonable to play a, a minimum of three. It's probably best at four to six. The game has a simple structure. Uh, you have a hand of eight cards. Each turn you play up to three of them, and then everybody uh, reveals their cards at the same time, and these cards make spells which do damage or otherwise affect your opponents or, or yourself. You iterate this until there's only one wizard standing. Then they get a victory marker, and you repeat this until one person has two victory markers, and they win the game. One nice game design touch is that when you're knocked out of a duel, you draw dead wizard cards for each round you miss in the current duel, and that gives you an advantage for the next duel. So being knocked out of a duel early isn't necessarily an entirely bad thing. I would say the biggest draw to the gameplay is each time you are choosing your spells, you're looking through your hand for terrific combinations, uh, combos uh, that, that will do exciting things, because you can create a, an enormous number of spells from your eight-card hand, and some of them go together a lot better than others. The flavor of ESWOTBWDAMS is pretty exciting. It's reminiscent of Robert Crumb's art. The colors are vibrant and rich. The uh, images are humorous and really draw the players into the atmosphere of the game. The characters are similarly colorful and silly. There's, I think, eight wizards, including Zanzibart, the slag genie, and uh, Lady Laserverse of the Space Kingdom, and Hogs the House is this enormous wizard who is eating a cow and uh, has a little wizard and is in, in, stuck inside his, uh, his scepter. The cards are not only flavorfully illustrated, but they're also flavorfully named. Each spell uh, is part of a three-card sequence. The first is the name of the person who invented it, like Old Scratch or Bleemax Brainiac, the middle is uh, an adjective uh, describing the spell, like dicey or mind-altering. And then the last part is the name of the spell itself, like fisto-nature or mercy-killing. And so you end up with Old Scratch's dicey fisto-nature or Bleemax Brainiac's mind-altering mercy-killing. And uh, these can be mixed and matched in uh, many different ways, of course, and, and players are, in fact, required to read out their spells in their most uh, commanding wizard voice when they play them. 
So when a player has their turn, they will bellow out uh, their their spell. Old Scratch's dicey fisto nature. And prepare yourself for a Bleemax Brainiac's mind-altering mercy killing. This adds a lot of levity to play, and it's a, it's a, it's a pretty fun rule. It's really nice when the flavor of a game really draws you into the intended mode of play. Uh, there's a, a, lot of, a lot of games that tend to be a little dry on the flavor, even if they're exciting games. Uh, this one is not at all dry, uh, it, uh, and it's also probably not like anything you've seen. The flavor is reflected from top to bottom in the product, not only the box and the characters uh, but and, and the cards, but uh, the rules themselves uh, are written in, in the style you might expect, both in the font and in the language. I would say this is one of the rare cases where you really can judge the game by the cover. If you look at it and can't stand the art, then this is not for you. If you look at it and are excited by it, it's top to bottom, everything that the art promises. It is hard to talk about games with me seriously for any length of time and not have the subject of politics come up. Politics is when one player can differentially affect the status of other players in the game. That is, I can choose to attack you or attack somebody else, or help you or help somebody else. These are political decisions. I tend to prefer games with lower politics. There are a number of reasons why politics and games can bother me. Uh, one is that if you're ahead and people can pick on you, then perhaps there's no reason for you to get ahead, uh, which means you're just uh, playing the political game. You're not playing the game. Another is the situations which will come up called uh, kingmaker situations where you can't win, but you can choose who wins. It's uh, It feels uh, like a letdown when uh, you win a game because somebody chose you to win as opposed to because of what you did. On the other hand, there are people who like more politics in their games. Uh, it keeps the game more even because you can pick on the leader, and it makes the game more interactive. One of the things that interests me most in a new game design is often how politics is managed because adding interactivity to the game, that is, if I can interact with the other players, then that automatically threatens to bring in a high level of politics. There are many ways in which you can deal with this, having uh, a variety of pros and cons. One of the games I learned that first dealt with it in an overt manner was Cosmic Encounter, where each turn you can attack another player, and that, of course, wouldn't be in a political decision if you could choose who to attack, but you attack them randomly, uh, and then you can ask for allies. And so... And so this means that any long-term alliances uh, can't really last because one player will randomly attack the other player. And, and so they manage to get this state of a lot of interaction and less politics. There's still politics in the game, uh, uh, but making the opponent random lessened it a lot. Games with low politics often have less interaction than I like in a game, making my desire for low politics games almost contradictory with my desire for an interactive game. It isn't always the case, though. Poker is a very interactive game, and it's got very low politics. Often what you'll get, though, is a game of simultaneous solitaire, or what I broadly term the passive-aggressive games, uh, games where you don't directly... Inter interact with other people, but your choices impact them indirectly. 
these games can have politics and they can have very fine interaction, uh, but they feel less overtly interactive than something like Small World where you actually pound on people. Uh, so here I'm talking about games like uh, Puerto Rico or Agricola where your choices definitely impact the other players, but but it doesn't feel like a direct interaction. So I'm automatically wary when I sit down to a card battle game because they frequently have a lot of politics where you choose who to affect with your card. With this game, I was pleased to find there wasn't that much politics. There were some cards where you got to choose who to affect, but most of the cards affected the strongest opponents or the weakest opponents or the opponent on the left or the opponent on the right. And so once you play the card, it's locked in who you're affecting. And the chaotic nature of the game made it so that if you affect the strongest player, unless somebody is way out in the lead, you don't know who the strongest player is going to be. By the time your spell resolves, it could be somebody different than you thought it was going to affect. Another way uh, politics is mitigated uh, in, in games is when when you can affect different players, but there's a reason to affect one player more than the other. So in Risk, there is politics, for example, but you can't uh, always attack who you want to attack because you're not adjacent to them. Similarly, in this game, uh, if I play the card Attack the Player on My Left, uh, I may be playing it not because I want to hurt the person on my left, but because it works well with the other cards in my combination. Too bad for Lefty. What politics... There is uh, fits really well with the nature of the game. Uh, uh, this is a fast, uh, as I characterized before, party game, and uh, and so you really do want a lot of interactivity. And so while the level of politics might be larger than I tend to go for, uh, I think it is fine for a game of this sort of flavor, and in fact much better than I expected for a game of this sort of flavor. <laughs> I've referred to this game as a party game, and uh, that description may not sit well with some folk. I'm going to put it in my party game section, and while it isn't a party game in the sense of Trivial Pursuit or Pictionary or something like that, I think that it is a party game in that you want a lot of people to be playing it, and it's very easy to teach them the game, and that it's fun for people to watch who aren't involved with the game. I think the novelty value also uh, makes it more of a party game in that I will pull it out because I want people to see the game because the uh, art and flavor are such a fun part of the game and there's sort of a silliness factor going on that it's uh, going to be good for a wide variety of settings. A gamer group may describe this as a filler game instead, one that you play between other games or as a final game of the evening. I should caution you that... uh, If you've got young kids, uh, this may not be the right game. It is uh, pretty edgy in the art, and there are some uh, spell names that are PG uh, rather than G. And now it's time for the kids' turn. Okay, Skylar, can you tell me what the name of the game we played is? Epic Spells Somethings of the Battle Dudes. Of Mount Skullfire. Okay, what about you, Eli? Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards Duel at Mount Skullfire. So, what was your favorite part of the game? I liked, I liked the art. I liked the art very much. I enjoyed how you could chain spells to make really cool effects, get combos and stuff. Can you name any particular spell? 
I remember the Beardo Blasty one where you copy your delivery spell. That was pretty good. Can you uh, name a full three-part spell? Ooh, uh, Scorchia's Explodifying Nuclear Meltdown. And can you name a full three-part spell? Sure. Beardo Blasty's Impatient Chicken. Uh, what was your favorite wizard? I like Faye Ticklebottom. Did you say Ticklebottom? Ticklebottom. A leprechaun that shoots rainbows from a cloud that he rides on with a wand of purpliness. And you, Eli? Probably Princess Holiday and her furry corn. And that's it. I hope you've enjoyed this week's Game Glimpse. Feel free to leave any comments you have. If you want to suggest any games, you can do that too. Maybe your game will be the next one I glimpse. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, e- S- at E-S-W-E-S-W-O-T-B-W-D-A-M-S-F.